On today's episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, we have Dr. Joyce Tang talking about the patient-centered longitudinal experience. They may go with the patients to the primary care physician office. They may go to a specialty visit. I've had students go to dialysis sessions or to physical therapy sessions. They've seen patients in the hospital. I've even had students that have gone to the operating room. We're back with another episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute. On this podcast, we speak to patients and doctors about all aspects of excellence in clinical medicine. I'm Adam Seafew, and today I'm joined by Dr. Joyce Tang. Dr. Tang is an Associate Professor of Medicine and Comprehensive Care Physician in the section of hospital medicine at the University of Chicago. Her clinical work is devoted to providing longitudinal primary care across inpatient and ambulatory care setting for a panel of patients with high health needs and frequent hospitalizations. She leads qualitative research efforts for the Comprehensive Care Program with a focus on patient perspectives and preferences related to care, the patient-doctor experience, and reasons for variation in patient response to the program. She also developed and leads an educational program called the Patient-Centered Longitudinal Experience, in which first-year medical students are partnered with patients with complex chronic disease with whom they co-navigate clinical care experiences across multiple settings. Joyce is a graduate of the Pritzker School of Medicine at the University of Chicago and an associate junior faculty scholar in the Buxbaum Institute. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I mentioned the patient-centered longitudinal experience, or PCLE, as I guess we call it, um, in the introduction. Can you just tell me about the program and kind of what led you to develop it? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea for the program really started from the observation that a lot of medical education traditionally is from the physician's perspective. It's led by physicians and necessarily comes from the physician's point of view. Um, I think there's a lot of advantages to that, and I think it's appropriate in so many ways. But if we're really wanting to develop patient-centered physicians, I don't think that that's enough. So um, what is really needed to develop empathy and patient-centered attitudes is a better understanding of the patient's experience of illness and their challenges, I think, that they face in navigating the healthcare system. And so tell me about the program itself. I, I know that students are kind of paired up with patients, and then the students actually just go to visits with the patient? Is that kind of... The gist? Yeah. So before I tell you about the program itself, let me tell you about the traditional kind of experience. So we embedded it in our longitudinal program, which is traditionally that kind of first-year medical student clinical preceptorship experience. And so that traditional- response to students always saying, we want to be in the clinics as quickly as possible. That's right. right. That's right. And Um, so, you know, that traditional experience is the student paired with a physician preceptor where they see patients with a physician preceptor in the single clinic setting over a longitudinal period of time. Um, And so this idea was actually, it's actually quite simple. So it's taking that model, but adding to it two additional 
patient partners. Got it. And so that experience for the student then is that they are working with these patient partners over a variety of settings over a longitudinal period of time. They may go with the patients to the primary care physician office. They may go to a specialty visit. I've had students go to dialysis sessions or to physical therapy sessions. They've seen patients in the hospital. I've even had students that have gone to the operating room (laughs) to see their patient, you know, pre-op, during the operation, and post-op. So it can be quite diverse in terms of the experiences. And so these students get a much more diverse experience because instead of just only, say, you know, working with, I don't know, a geriatrician, seeing only an older set of patients coming to appointments, these students may see multiple different kinds of doctors doing multiple different kinds of things in multiple different settings, right? Absolutely. Um, There is bigger variety. They see different styles of care. They see their patients over time, importantly, really kind of having different types of communication with different physicians. They also get to see what happens, I think, to these patients between visits after hospitalization that others don't see um, in terms of how do they really fit their illness and the management of it into their daily lives. Do you, I was going to ask you sort of, you know, what you hear from students about what they learn and about the challenges in the program, but maybe I'll start specific and then go general. You know, I always think when students make their way through medical school, right, they see a lot of different physician styles, right? And I think we always tell students, like, pick the ones which seem like they're good and they're going to work for you and try to ignore the bad role models, Um, maybe just the ones that are wrong for you. Um, The students are seeing doctors in a different way here, right? Because they're more on the patient's team than on the doctor's team. Do you feel like or do students tell you that they get more of a sense of different physician style in this setting? They definitely do. I mean, I think that when we have a course like the Longitude Program, which this is embedded within or or was embedded within, um, we have a select group of preceptors that are specifically chosen for their communication style, their interest in having students there um, and a holistic perspective, you know, for early learners. Um, When we send students into a busy clinic, you know, where perhaps a preceptor or a physician who's practicing is not necessarily um, signed off right, to right, do right, this right, kind right, of work. It's right. a little bit different. We definitely ask students to email ahead, yeah. notify that yeah. they're coming. Um, so there is that. And, you know, it's interesting to see what happens when yeah. they show up, right? The, the patient will be, this is, these are my bodyguards. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. my team. And so it's a bit of a different interaction there. And I think that oftentimes it's a very positive interaction. Um as with any clinical encounter, sometimes it's not positive. Yeah. And they have seen things and they've seen things slip through the cracks. And, you know, I, I think then those are opportunities to discuss with their preceptor. Right. You know, this is what I saw. I have questions. You know, right. how do I process it? It's a little bit of a different interaction with your physician preceptor. I think a lot of medical education, you're used to precepting face-to-face in a dedicated clinical session. But this really requires preceptors to do that precepting and kind of be guiding students outside of that setting. And so there's some proactivity that's required on both sides. Do you ever hear from patients that their experience with doctors change having a student in the room? I think that patients really love this. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Um, I've had students kind of prepare patients before their visits right. about what are you going to talk about? And they've prompted patients in their room who maybe 
didn't want to bring something up yeah. that they had brought up yeah. to the students. So I've had that happen. Right. Um, I've had, I, I think generally patient feedback is just, wow, somebody is here. <laughs> they're listening yeah. to me. They're taking the time. And I think it gives them a sense of purpose yeah. and meaning. It's interesting because, I, I mean, clearly the reason for this is for medical student education. But you sort of are throwing a patient advocate into the room. Absolutely. And that advocacy, I'm sure, develops over the time that the student is with a patient and becomes closer to them and knows them. For sure. For sure. Challenges? You know, are there things that are often difficult for the students or you know, maybe things that you think they're not quite ready to be exposed to since you're getting students really at the beginning of medical school for this. We are. And and there definitely are challenges. I think the primary one is somewhat logistical. So um, as you know, patient appointments can be scheduled at any time of day, yeah, yeah, any day yeah. of the week, dependent on the physician's schedule and, and the patient's schedule. Um, that may altogether be not the time that students have available outside of class. Right. So that might not work out. Also, and more importantly, I think that patient appointments are often canceled or rescheduled for a variety of reasons. And sometimes patients can't make it to an appointment. Yeah. They might have transportation issues or whatnot. And so that does sometimes cause some frustration, right, for students. Um, we've heard some students be quite frustrated, you know, that, sure. you know, they have the expectation, I think, that with their classes, there's a set time they come in, it's high yield. Um, and sometimes when this occurs, I think it's very difficult for them. And I think students can take it in one of another, a couple right, different right, right. ways, right? So we've noticed that the student dissatisfaction seems to happen more when they didn't self-select into the program. Yeah. So when they elect to do it, which is kind of the way we do it now, but because we have more interest than we can accommodate, it's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. I think students roll within and expect it. I'd love to know, and this is generalizing a little bit, definitely, and dichotomizing a little bit. You know, there are the students who get to the third year, the kind of traditional clinical year, and there are the students who very quickly sort of fall into the role that, you know, look, we're we're here to provide care. I understand that I'm going to learn in that providing of care and I'm going to get some focused teaching, you know, when time allows. And then there are students who are kind of put off by our current clinical education because, you know, they're used to college in the first two years where kind of everybody's there to teach them. It's not that they're the center of attention, but the focus is on education, which is which is absolutely not the case in any clinical experience. Um, so it'd be interesting to know, you know, if what you're doing to some extent is prepping students for that like practice-based learning that happens not only in later medical school, but ideally happens in the rest of their careers. I think you're right. And we do get tremendous insight into the professionalism, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really important for students. I think that they have to be much more self-organized and motivated. We ask them to check Epic regularly because yeah. appointment times may change. Yeah. So instead of you show up, you know, every fourth Thursday to right. your <laughs> preceptor's right. clinic and they will kind of shepherd you right. through the visit, right. you're kind of on your own. Right. You got to navigate. You got to, things may come up and there isn't necessarily someone there yeah. all the time. So um, with great responsibility uh, <laughs> comes, uh, with great kind of challenge, I think there's, there's or, or autonomy, I think you do need more um, kind of responsibility. Um, so I do think that it does help in that direction. I, I also think that as early medical students, they do still require quite a bit of supervision, sure. you know, and I think that, you know, we ask students to call patients, you know, sometimes to check in on them or they go to visits without the preceptor. Um, 
I think that those are great opportunities, but I also ask them to specifically to send a message to their preceptor every time they have an encounter with the, the patient, whether they think it's important or not, yeah, whether yeah. they have a question or not, to set a really low bar for right, reaching out, right. you know, so that we can really adequately supervise and provide feedback. So I'm jotting down notes as you talk because I, I can sort of think of so many other purposes, um, let's say, that this program lends itself to. But you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, traditionally, we've always put medical students in a doctor role, whether it be with a, you know, single physician kind of mentor or on a team. And what you've done with this is kind of supplement, right, regular medical education. Um, could you see this either replacing traditional medical education or taking a bigger role where, look, you know, you're going to do six months of traditional medical education and six months where your patient panel is, you know, 10 people and you're basically always in the hospital because those 10 people are always being cared for? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I guess to your first question of whether or not patient-led um, education would ever take the place of physician-led education. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be appropriate. You know, a lot of the training of, of medicine is about how do you take an interview? How do you listen for things that are emergencies? Right. How do you form a broad differential diagnosis and form a management plan? And th those aren't things that a patient can necessarily right. um, teach. That being said, I think it's a really important partnership yep. in addition to that to supplement, you know, how do you communicate with patients? Yep. How do you understand how hard it is to navigate the system? And, you know, how do you hear about how these side effects from medications are really affecting the patient's right. life? So there's a lot of things that I think are positive about it. Now, I think what you're getting at is that actually some medical schools have something called a longitudinal integrated clerkship experience. Um, and that is where it, during the clerkship year, instead of these traditional block rotations where you have one subject matter at a time and are kind of like through the year, go through family medicine, internal medicine, surgery, et cetera, you have a panel of patients that are actually seen in these variety of clinics. Yeah. Um, you also have preceptors in those different subject matters where you follow the patients through these different settings. I think that's an amazing model. Yeah. I think that it can be a little overwhelming at the beginning of the right, year because right. that they have to learn so many different things at right. the same time. But over the course of the year, they develop those relationships with patients that they otherwise wouldn't have had, yeah. get to see what happens between visits after visits and the evolution yeah. of care. And they really get, I think, a richer experience as well as a stronger kind of mentorship experience right. with a smaller panel of mentors. Certainly does seem like both the density and the breadth of kind of pathology that students see in a traditional program might be hard in a fully patient-centered program. That's very um, true. Because a lot of the things we see and that's rich learning experiences are pretty rare things that you're only going to see if you're on a team that's admitting a bunch of sick people. Um, one question about the program and then one totally out there question. Emergency care, you know, if a patient who a student is following, you know, develops appendicitis in the middle of the night, do patients reach out to the students and say, hey, I'm going to the emergency room? Or do they get like, you know, pinged by Epic when the patient arrives in the hospital? Um, 
Oh, that's it. That's an interesting question. <laughs> so, you know, what I would say is the first year, yeah. you know, that we're piloting and yeah, we're trying yeah, yeah. to iron sure. out all the kinks, you know, some students did give out their personal yeah. numbers, yeah. you know, and I, I think um, they did sometimes become this primary contact right. for patients. And, you know, we, we realized pretty quickly that it was not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We have uh, a lot of rules in place as to, you know, what's appropriate right. contact right. And, and whatnot, because I I, I don't think that's appropriate yeah. for a first-year learner to have. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, I, I think that, you know, people got creative, got Google right. numbers right. or other right. things. And right. and so uh, some students, I won't say all students, some students really are quite tied in with yeah. their patients. They can't receive my chart messages, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. We don't have that capability. Um, we did have a, um epic related reminder to some students about right. their patients being in the ER that was more tied to our comprehensive care program yes. model. But I that wasn't possible to set yeah. up for all students. Yeah. It's interesting because you and I as primary care generalists, right? I mean, I feel like anytime one of our patients hiccup, we hear about it, right? Absolutely. Um, usually through Epic, but often in, in other ways. And um, we and our colleagues all have different styles about, you know, how our patients contact us. But it's it's kind of where you grow into. And obviously the complexity of a student who who shouldn't really be answering the medical questions, it's hard to figure out where you draw the line. Um, my other question, I, I've had a kind of longstanding hobby interest in evaluating physicians and how terrible we are generally at evaluating physicians, right? I still say that I really have no idea how good I am from this, right? And most of the feedback I get is obviously incredibly flawed with, you know, Prescani evaluations or something, or comes from people who have chosen to see me, have chosen con to continue to see me, are in a weird power differential. You know, I ask the residents, you know, when I'm on service with them, like, how was it? But they're not going to give me an honest answer. And I've often thought that maybe the best way to do it is to, like, constantly embed our schedules with, you know, fake patients. Um, <laughs> but this, in a way, are these are students who are not tied to the physicians who visits they're witnessing. And obviously, it's a whole different training that they would need. But, you know, could you use these people to, I don't know, evaluate physicians or? Oh, wow. That's, that's an I'm interesting question. I'm just making you uncomfortable, <laughs> I can um, I, I think it's fascinating. I, I think that there probably still is quite a bit of a power yeah. differential yeah. at play there. Um, it's it's a very interesting question, and I think that, you know, the question would be, what are they evaluating on? Right, you know, right, I, right. I, I think a first-year medical student could certainly provide some feedback on communication style. I think that perhaps their education, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I think it'd be hard for them yeah. to give any feedback yeah. on true medical yeah. care. Maybe you need, <laughs> maybe you need physicians from, <laughs> medical students from other institutions come to evaluate the faculty <laughs> at different places. Um, well, Joyce, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really interesting conversation. And as a little bit of a prelude, we're actually going to have in a couple of weeks, two of your students with one of the patients they're following, which I'm really looking forward to sort of hearing from both the students and the patient about their experience in this. So thanks so much for joining us uh, for this episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast. We're sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence at the University of Chicago. 
please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts and ideas via the Buxbaum Institute webpage or on Twitter. The music for the Clinical Excellence Podcast is courtesy of Dr. Malin Martinez. <laughs>